This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. It made it. Laura became a Category 4 hurricane. That's a powerful one. Not powerful enough to push moisture up into the dry portion of the Corn Belt, though. It pushes inland and then angles off to the east, south of the primary Corn Belt, giving Tennessee and Kentucky a drink. Looking at the drought monitor, it doesn't appear that the hurricane will impact the drought in this country as a whole at all. Most areas getting wet are not the dry ones. There are a couple of waves of cooler air that should come down from the north late this week and next week, and we will see what moisture they can trigger. We have gone through the entire process here where we have lived off of subsoil moisture for a while and then cooler temperatures, but this week's extreme hot and dry was the coup de gras for corn and soybeans here. I have been farming since 1973, and this was the worst drought collapse I've ever experienced. I would have said that starting the growing season with a full profile of subsoil moisture that this could not happen. The market is not going to believe this. Maybe the condition ratings decline that they get Monday afternoon will help them. As I wrote, I have farmed since 73 and have never seen anything like the collapse in crop condition that is occurring. My late father-in-law had mentioned something like this happening in 1955 or 56, where the crops literally died in a few-day period under extreme heat with moisture having been exhausted. We have a couple of more days of this before temperatures cool and rain chances start to improve. The rain will be too late for the corn. Corn is more than fired. It is literally a premature death. There will be no fill for a lot of our crops. Brown plants cannot utilize moisture. Soybeans took it hard this week, too. Some soybeans are being pushed into premature maturity, yellowing and dropping leaves. Others are pale green. Some look white. 30-inch rows were shrinking back, opening again. I would think that the pods that would fill would have BBs. I would expect that rain could have some positive effect for some soybeans. It would be at least slow the collapse. 50% of Iowa corn and 56% of Iowa soybeans are rated good to excellent last Monday. I do not know that we have any corn and soybeans left where I live in Clay and Dixon County, where I would rate them good to excellent today. Silage yield appraisals are coming in 30 to 40 bushel per acre below last year, and they're fully reflective of what the grain yields will be with an aborted fill. If we were D2 drought in the monitor last week, it'll be interesting to see if we make D3 or D4 in the next update. I think that corn and soybean prices are going higher for a number of reasons, and that crops should be put in the bin. I am not sure that I would believe what is happening to crops if I were not seeing it myself, so it will certainly take USDA and the trade time to adjust or accept it. The bottom line is that corn and soybean prices are too cheap, and while it may take a while, they should come out of the hole that they are in. There are reportedly 98 pending requests for small refinery exemptions from complying with the RFS at the EPA. That number includes 67 of what they call gap year requests, which are requests for exemptions retroactively going back years to 2011. The petroleum industry is trying to get as many of these requests in front of the EPA as possible, given the favorable treatment they had gotten. I have no idea what the loss to the 15 billion gallon mandate would be if all were approved, but the last round cost us over 1.5 billion bushels of corn demand. The EPA has said that this was complicated by the politics and that it would not make a decision until after the election. 
They approved the previous round, so we do not know what would be different now. Donald J. Trump gave in to oil interest in approving previous SREs, opposite of what the biofuel industry had heard him to promise in the 2016 election. He, under political pressure in Iowa, said that he would talk to the EPA about them, which was saying nothing. He talked to EPA the last time that they were approved. Trump's RFS policy has favored oil companies over farmers. I do not think that anyone disputes that. The question is if it matters, given the ideological loyalty, Trump's ag sector loyalty, pun intended. The biofuel lobby's real problem is that Trump can mess with the RFS, and the farmers will vote for him anyway, and he knows that. In that case, the biofuel lobby really has no leverage. The Corn Growers Association is caught in the same conundrum. The Trump administration can do bad things to the ag sector, and there's no real repercussion politically because it doesn't change the farm vote. If the ag sector advocates get too tough on Trump, the farmers instead get mad at them. The corn growers have had this happen to them. That makes life difficult for an ag sector advocate. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, Subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits.